Welcome to the More Equity Podcast by Harlem Capital. Harlem Capital is a diversity-focused early-stage venture capital firm based in New York City. We're on a mission to invest in a thousand diverse founders over the next 20 years. This season, managing partners Henri-Pierre Jacques and Jared Tingle sit down with Harlem Capital's limited partners, the investors who help bring the firm to life. Tune in as we share stories and insights on navigating the VC fundraising landscape, from pitching fund strategy to building relationships with LPs and successfully raising capital. In today's episode, we continue along Harlem Capital's fundraising journey and speak with Josh Evans of TPG. TPG served as Harlem Capital's first anchor investor, changing the future of the fund forever. Tune in as Josh, Henri, and Jared discuss when they met, what led them to working together, and how the TPG Harlem Capital Partnership created new opportunities for both firms. Hey, Josh. I uh, wanted to welcome you to the More Equity podcast. We're very excited to have you as part of our limited partner series. Hey, Josh. Hey, Henri here. Um, of course, we know who you are but we want to make sure our listeners do as well. So we'll read a short bio and then let you give a brief uh, overview of anything we missed. So Josh Evans, he's the head of corporate development and a partner at TPG, a global asset management firm with $108 billion in assets under management. Based in San Francisco, Josh focuses on the firm's strategy and development of new investment platforms. Before, Josh worked at Evercore Partners in the investment banking division, advising on M&A and restructurings, and he currently sits on the board of New Quest Capital Partners and the first T of San Francisco. Thanks again for joining us. So before we hop into the story of how we work together, anything else do you want our listeners to know outside of uh, the standard bio? Josh, anything about your background or where you went to school? Uh, that'd be interesting for people to know. No, thanks for having me, guys. Really excited to be here. Always love hearing more about the Harlem platform and happy to give any perspectives I have on our relationship and uh, you know, kind of what we've seen in you all and what we continue to see going forward. So look forward to getting into it. Great. So Henri mentioned in your bio that you're head of corporate development for TBG. So I just wanted to learn a little bit more about the role for our listeners. Um, like what's your function, how do you support the firm and what's a, a day-to-day like if there's any standard day for you? Yeah, the large part of my focus at the firm is on the strategy of thinking through very carefully the expansion into other investment activities across the organization. For the past 10 plus years, we've been pretty innovative in coming into disruptive places within the marketplace and doing that largely through an inorganic strategy of growing new business lines out of the existing teams and talent base within the firm. As that has progressed, we've also selectively pursued some opportunities to look at inorganic growth through M&A and the like, but the large kind of underpinning of all of that is just strategically thinking through how to expand our firm while doing it very carefully and staying close to the DNA of the organization, very investor-focused, alpha-focused, and trying to kind of be a leader in the alts platform. And so that's where I spend uh, the large majority of my time. Awesome. We want to start kind of the beginning of our GPLP relationship. You know, we have, we have our side of the story uh, that we can share after, but I'm curious, what did you remember about the first time you met Jer and I and learned about Harlem Capital? Yeah, happy to. Uh, outside of my kind of day-to-day professional responsibilities as it relates to thinking about firm expansion, one of the things I've been pretty passionate about is the firm's push within diversity and inclusion. And I think it really catapulted itself to another level when John Winkle Reed joined the firm a little over five years ago as the CEO of the organization. He made this something that he was going to be very vocal about throughout the organization, 
that frankly we needed to improve upon and also find other areas to be active within throughout the, the broader kind of alternatives and private markets ecosystem. And uh, to that end, uh, Analu Vizquez Ubari, who is our head of HR, came by my office one day and just said, I'm walking into a meeting with two impressive guys who are starting a venture firm focused on backing diverse founders. Do you want to come sit in on the meeting? To which I said, yes. And I guess the rest is history from there. But I remember the day vividly. I remember meeting the two of you and uh, you know our relationship kind of carrying on from there afterwards and thinking that you were hitting at the cross-section of exactly the type of activity that John really wanted to see the firm get behind. And you know that relationship obviously transpired in us being able to be more commercially connected and supportive of your effort, both financially, but also strategically. And it's been uh, a great reward for all of us at TPG to be involved in it and have the ability to be involved in a little bit deeper and more meaningful way. And but we've really enjoyed every bit of it along the way. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the story of us being TPG to me is just like super fascinating and kind of goes to the point of like, you just don't know where capital will come from because the, the full story on our side is there was a, a black woman who I knew at Stanford Business School who reached out to me on LinkedIn for a blog post interview. Uh, I interviewed with her. She gave me a recommendation to someone who became our LP. Uh, and that LP actually introduced us to Analu because they both worked at Goldman Sachs together. And then Analu introduced us to Josh and then Josh introduced us to John. And eventually TPG became our anchor investor. But like that whole string of relationships kind of came from a LinkedIn inbound message, which is kind of crazy. I think, and after that meeting, which I'm pretty sure was November 9th um, of 2018, because we were in San Francisco for Afrotech, Josh actually came to Afrotech, which is the largest black tech conference, and, and saw us speak and kind of w- walked around the conference for probably about two hours. And I- I'm curious, like, did that conference, like seeing the black tech industry in San Francisco, I remember you saying it's crazy that this has been in our backyard at San Francisco and we didn't know about it. Like, was there any impact from kind of visually seeing like what Afrotech represented? Absolutely, Henri. I think you hit it well. Uh, When you told me you were in town for the conference, I didn't know the first thing about it. had no idea the size and scope and the number of people that would be there. Uh, When I showed up, I was blown away and then spending time walking around with you guys afterwards and realizing how significant the market opportunity was that you all were focused on. You know, it kind of made the pitch that you had given me several hours earlier, you know, really come to life in kind of a real world way that I think is impossible to communicate over slides. Uh, So I I vividly remember the day as well and remember being extremely impressed with you guys as you were up on stage talking about what you were doing and then hearing the buzz in the audience of the number of people that wanted to come Harlem's direction, looking for that partner who could be more than just capital and could be a face on their board of directors or the governance of their company that they would identify with and say, I want, you know, people who are diverse and look like me involved in my business. And I thought it was pretty powerful to your comment about never knowing where money comes from. I walked out of the conference, went back to the office and said to John, Hey, I met these two young guys, really impressive, starting a venture firm. I think you should meet them. And I never had any idea of it turning into what it became. Our firm wasn't really in the business of anchoring or seeding other platforms. If anything, I thought we would, you know, pass the hat around the organization and try to raise some, you know, significantly smaller amount of capital just to help you guys along the way. And uh, John, you obviously met and he took a similar liking to you and really became, I think, a fierce advocate for you guys. And, you know, here we are today with a much more expansive partnership than, than I was ever envisioning as we were sitting there together that afternoon. So kind of fun to look back on. And to your point, you, you never know where this stuff's going to come from. And I think that's a, a great story to kind of exemplify that. 
Well, thanks so much, Josh. I mean, I remember during the meeting, we told you about Afrotech and it was one of our portfolio companies, but the fact you actually came, even that fact surprised us. So thank you for taking that risk because uh, we were very surprised. We looked up in the middle of our talk and saw you sitting in the audience. So thank you for prioritizing that that day because it definitely was an inflection point and a life-changing moment for us. We actually call those elevator moments. And so, you know, working with TVG was, was definitely one of those. Jared, I'm uh, more than happy to have been there. Just for the record, I vividly remember seeing your face when I walked in the room and your surprise was very evident then as it is now. Uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun to be there with you guys. Yeah, I, I do not have a poker face, uh, which I just tweeted about. So, you know, pros, <laughs> pros and cons, but, but you knew I meant it. I wanted to circle back to the pitch. I mean, was there anything else that was memorable um, outside of our introduction to, to you and the firm? and Afrotech after, but was there anything during the pitch that kind of hooked you or made a difference? I mean, I feel like it went longer than we expected. Maybe we had an hour slot and it turned into like 90 minutes or more. Just curious if there was anything that, that stood out outside of our energy and, and our thesis. You know, there was, and I'm glad you asked that, Jared. I'm not sure if we've ever even talked about this before, but obviously being at an organization as large and well-known as TPG, we have the benefit of a lot of people knocking on the firm's door and looking to find ways to partner with us. And more often than not, I would say 90 plus percent of the time, people have an idea on paper and they want to raise capital around that idea. And the marketplace has turned into one that's very hard for people to get off the ground to get started within and bolting themselves onto a broader platform that has you know brand recognition and a lot of investor relationships uh, is a much easier path to getting into business. And so we're approached very frequently about people that have an idea, but really haven't taken any first step yet. They're looking for that partnership to kind of really help them get the flywheel turning, you know, from, from the jump start. And uh, I remember vividly sitting in the room and thinking about the fact that you guys in your nights and weekends, while at business school, with whatever capital you could get your hands around, even if it was you know just your bonus from your prior job two years uh, earlier, having developed a portfolio and not only developed a portfolio, but you know through a little bit of uh, scrappiness and hunger, you know found your way into some deals alongside other recognizable names in the venture world. And I remember thinking you were kind of some of the first guys that had ever showed up and said, not only do we have an idea, but we've already tried to show the world that there's product market fit out there by actually investing capital, actually building a portfolio, actually pulling together a vision for what our firm and our brand could be, and even started tapping into talent markets and the like. It was a lot different than what I've seen from a lot of other folks that have approached us over time, even putting the entire thesis around D&I to the side. And as I reflect on that, there was a level of kind of grit and, and scrappiness that you know, really drew my eye in, in that first meeting. And I still think that's a large part of probably what, what got us to the point we're at today. Awesome. And thanks, Josh, for recognizing that. Getting in front of the right people is so important. I feel like folks who have been ambitious themselves or have taken early career risk or have been as scrappy as you just resonated more with what we were saying. Uh, folks that had been more stuck in bureaucracy just had a lot harder time hearing our message. So I'm, I'm glad we we're able to, to see eye to eye and, and paint the picture that you were able to receive. To that point on, on the flip side, right? So we met you guys in November. I remember you guys kind of gave us the informal decision to anchor the fund in mid-January. Um, but then the legal process we finalized in May. So like the formal decision was a six-month you know, process. Like what were the hesitations or areas of concern before we finalized from your side? Because obviously, even though you invested, there's always risks that you guys see as well. 
Yeah. From, from our perspective, I think we really viewed it as wanting to make sure that whatever form our investment took, it was more than just money, as they say. And it was really us doing everything we could to give you guys the best chance of success. And so, you know, if I'm honest about it, the numbers and the analytical framework of going through whether or not, you know, we were interested in investing was actually probably the easiest and fastest part. As I mentioned, there was an existing portfolio. And so it was great to look at that. I believe there were six deals at the time, if memory serves me right. Uh, but there hadn't been enough time for those deals to mature to a point where there was a heavy amount of analysis, if you will, influencing our decision. Our decision had kind of been made and it went to the next phase, which was how do we galvanize you know, the talent within our firm in a way that's easy for the Harlem team to be able to leverage so that we can always be sharing best ideas, best practices, best thoughts to give you guys the absolute best possible chance of success. And uh, yeah, I think it was at the end of the day, mostly John's idea to say, let's form a council of call it a dozen people at TPG across different business lines, different sector areas of focus, and kind of be in a position to give you guys a direct line into the firm where whoever you need for whatever the question might be, whether it's everything from middle and back office related functions to how do we get out and source capital to we found a deal that we want to get someone's read on a sector. We kind of wanted to be one call away. And, and that was really a large part of what was influencing our decision was, you know, we can we can be money to anybody, but but how can we do more than that? And, um, you know, it'll never be perfect, but I think we've come a pretty long way. And you guys, I feel like are connected to while I'm here speaking on the behalf of TPG, you're connected to easily 25 to 50 different people throughout the firm. Uh, across different title levels, functional levels, and sector areas of focus. And I, I think from our perspective, that's what's really been great about the relationship. Fantastic. So one to shift gears a little bit, you know, you guys were anchor investor, <laughs> which was significant. I mean, good portion of the fund plus our arrangement outside of the LP structure. Just wanted to see from your perspective, what do you see as the role of an anchor investor? I mean, from, from our vantage point, you know, we appreciated the support, the early support, the public nature of the support, as well as your ability to make introductions for us and just be a reference. But I'm curious from your vantage point, Josh, of how you saw it, because it seemed like you personally took a lot of responsibility and a lot of interest in seeing our success going forward. Yeah, thanks for recognizing that, Jared. I think from our perspective as a firm and, and mine personally, which would take a backseat to the firm's perspective, you know, what we did with investing with you all was obviously a great thing. Again, back to the nominal kind of money perspective. But I think more importantly was we wouldn't have done it if we didn't feel like we could also get out there and make it known publicly that we were going to endorse you all and, and get you off the ground. And, you know, more importantly than that, to be able to turn on some of our relationships and make those introductions. Because if you think about what we're doing and why we're doing it as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion, it really started with an internal focus of saying, kind of, we need to fix our house before we can go out and do things in the broader market. And there's been a great effort at the firm led by John and Anilu and Justin Nunez and, and others at pulling in more diverse talent across the firm. And then you know, once we felt like we were on the right trajectory there, acknowledging that that's never something that'll ever be completely done. But while we were on the right trajectory, we could then start looking externally and through partnerships with folks like you and Henri. And I think, you know, kind of just giving you our own monetary endorsement would have been one thing, but it probably wouldn't have positioned you for the success you had if we hadn't also been willing to get out there and make that support publicly known. 
and to get out there and, and make introductions to many of the LPs that, that we know in the investor universe. And I think if we looked at it, we said, you know, if Harlem's a success and just has fun one and, and never we never see them again, that's not what we're in this for. We're in this for Harlem to go all the way to fund 10 and really to help you guys realize your vision, which I'll get wrong, but it was something like to back a thousand diverse founders over 10 years and, uh, you know, helping you all get to that point was really important to us and doing things, what I would call kind of strategically outside of just the monetary support uh, was what we thought would give you the best chance of getting there. And so recognizing that that would be the biggest impact we could have on the marketplace from a diversity, equity and inclusion perspective, that was really the driving force behind why we did what we did. That's great. Um, I think the word I was looking for is sponsorship, right? You guys were, were true sponsors for us. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't don't have that luxury. So, you know, thank you guys for sticking your neck out <laughs> in front of your firm and in front of others um, and really just giving us a shot because it made, it made all the difference. Um, one of our friends who's an investor said there's three ways to, to get in front of LPs. It's, you know, through the front door, or the back door, or the doggy door. <laughs> and just how you position yourself and how you get in front of the appropriate people and, and the, the level of which, you know, people are making introductions makes a huge difference. So, again, thank you guys. Happy to do that. I might borrow that quote one day. I kind of like that one. I haven't heard the doggy door before, but it, uh, it unfortunately does exist out there. And we've probably all been through it once or twice. Yeah, doggy door conversations didn't go well. <laughs> I'll say that. So we, we tried to cut those out as much as possible. Yeah, and I think to the to the public point, that point I tell a lot of emerging managers. So I think, you know, staking now is just more popular for emerging VC funds. And we've seen it for a few of our friends. I think a big difference, you know, you guys told us you were investing in January. You you allowed us to kind of use CBG's logo on our and fundraising deck, which was critical, but we didn't do the public announcement until I think late May or June. And when Jerry and I graduated business school, May of 2019, you know, we've been raising for a year at that point. We had roughly $12.5 million of capital by that point, which was half of our target. And in the next six months, we raised $28 million. And like one of the changes from graduation to the close was the announcement of TPG publicly, right? And it was like, we had been telling people like, hey, like TPG is an anchor investor, the logo's in the deck, like you can do reference calls with them. But it was like once, you know, you guys, we had articles and we were on CNBC and we were talking about the partnership. It was just a dramatic change. And like, oh, like this is real. They didn't just give them money. Like they're willing to put their logos next to each other. They're actually backing them. They're speaking about them. And like, we, we saw a big change from a fundraising pace perspective because we raised twice as much in half the time once that announcement was public and partially was Jerry and I also graduated school. So we were full-time and people didn't see the student risk. But I also think a big part of it was the fact that there was a public announcement around that. Yeah, I agree with that, Henri. I would say, you know, from our perspective, we always wanted to back people that we thought you had a really intense maniacal focus on the long-term mission of what they wanted Harlem to be. And we could clearly see that in, in the two of you, but to also recognize that nothing goes exactly as planned as life. So, there will have to be a natural flexibility to achieving the, the best outcome you possibly can. And, you know, along the way, things will pop up that you would have never even expected. Honestly, when we went out with it publicly, we weren't really sure what exactly to expect. And one of the positive kind of upside surprises that came from it was it opened up kind of the floodgates of sourcing channels on our side in two different ways. One was a number of other managers started contacting us and looking to have kind of that similar dialogue that we had with you originally and hoping it would lead to a, a level of support that would be commensurate with what we had done with Harlem. And the other was 
a lot of RLPs started reaching out and they all had some of their own DNI kind of initiatives and looking for ways to support people in the market like we did with you all. And so as we sat back and looked at all of that demand from the emerging GP universe and all of the interest from the LP universe, we actually uh, had a group of people within the firm, primarily led by Liz Stiverson and Justin Nunez in partnership with Anilu and, and John Winkleried to create a little bit of a slightly more formalized effort rather than, you know, hoping I would be down the hallway and bump into folks like you in a meeting, but to be a little bit more proactive, intentional about being involved in this market and kind of formed an effort called TPG Next, where we've done loosely similar deals with several other managers. And I think to, to the point I was making earlier about trying to have the biggest possible impact from a DNI perspective, I think getting out there publicly has been very instrumental to that as well. And opened up a lot more than we would have otherwise seen. So it was helpful to you, but it was also very helpful to us. And so appreciate you guys being there along the way as well. Great. That's a good segue into my next question. I just wanted to see how you all looked at managers in general. I mean, obviously TPG does tons of deals. You guys are very analytical when you're looking at company investments, but I guess on the fund manager side, ultimately you're betting on people and it's somewhat of a blind pull of capital, even if you do know what strategy they're intending to do. So I'm curious in general between us and some of the, the few fund investments you guys have made, what are some of the characteristics that you like in general for, for the managers that, that the firm has backed and will back in the future? Yeah, you know, I hate to piggyback on your question there, Jared, but you did kind of hit the most important point. The business is really all about people. At the end of the day, as we think through, you know, all the different partnerships we've had over time, as I a, as a referenced a minute ago, these things never go exactly as planned. There's twists and turns in the road and knowing that you're partnered with good people along the way, people who are going to be reasonable and come to the table and want to work constructively as partners is usually more important that you find that than anything else. As it relates to kind of segment of the market, ability for the business to grow and scale, ability to generate returns, et cetera. That part we've usually already figured out if it's a space we want to be in or not before we even take a meeting with someone. But a lot of it really does come down to the personal connectivity of knowing that we're working with good people that we feel like we're aligned with and we feel like we'll be good partners, you know, when things are good, but also be good partners when, when things aren't as easy as they may seem. And uh, that's probably the most important thing we focus on. I will say that, you know, while it wouldn't be the same as the relationship we have with you all, I think any firm we were or group of people we were looking at partnering with, the diversity of the people in that group is incredibly important. And that could be race diversity, that could be gender diversity, but there could also be a broader scope of things about people's experiences and backgrounds. We found as a firm that the more diverse the group of people we have around a table talking about any issue and, and diversity measured on a number of different you know, vectors has usually produced much better outcomes and a more holistic thought process into evaluating the, the constant risk decisions we're always faced with. And so there's definitely a component of that that is that is certainly important and something that we don't lose sight of, whether it be something like Harlem Capital or a completely separate initiative that doesn't have diversity and inclusion as much of a forefront focus. Yep. And one of our previous episodes with uh, Willie, you know, one of his, his quotes is, you know, everything in life is a people's business. So I think we would we definitely agree with, with that tone. Um, and switching kind of more to the, the general market, you know, I think for a lot of emerging managers, uh, including ourselves, like we haven't lived our professional lives through cycles 01 or 08. Um, any, based on your experience and time in the industry and, and kind of what you're seeing today, 
any recommendation for how emerging managers should think about pacing, reserves, checks, pricing, valuation, just in this market, given what you've seen in the past and, and how you guys maybe are thinking about it yourselves? You know, it's a great question. Uh, and I'm not sure the overlay of broader private equity and buyout or growth equity you know, translates perfectly into the seed stage within venture. But it kind of takes me back to, I think it was the first rule of finance I ever learned, even back in undergrad when I, I did my finance degree of cash is king. And when you're late cycle as a manager, you know, kind of not necessarily waiting to go back out to the market to raise your next fund until you're completely deployed, but rather always maintaining the balance of not coming back too early, but not waiting too long. Because when you hit those dips in the market, the fundraising market becomes really challenging. And as a small platform that hasn't yet built up enough scale to be able to withstand a longer period of time without being in the market or without having available capital to invest, you know, kind of always looking ahead and, and being thoughtful about not only the investment opportunities or the asset side of the business, as I would call it, but also the liability side of the business and always making sure that you're, you know, positioned for any kind of the weather, any kind of a downturn from a fund formation perspective, I think is something that some groups that are in their earlier stages of starting just don't spend as much time on because they haven't been through that cycle yet, or they haven't been through a challenging fundraise yet or whatever it may be. And so I think kind of thinking about the business as much from the investing side, but also thinking about it through kind of the liability management side, especially whenever it feels like your late cycle, you, you, you probably will find that emerging managers don't do that enough. And that'd probably be one thing I'd call out. Yep. And I agree. Cash is king is one of my, uh, one of my quotes from business school as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and on the communication side, you know, to that point of like managing kind of the cycle with, with LPs, any golden rules that you have for how GP should handle their communication with LPs kind of outside of the typical, you know, do your quarterly updates, like how else should LP GPs be managing that communication to ensure they can, you know, raise uh, before the cycles and have the balance sheet ready? Yeah, you know, I think the marketplace has changed a lot in the past 10 to 15 years. When I kind of first got into the business, it honestly felt like one where the communication was pretty formulaic, pretty programmatic, happened a couple times a year, and that was really it. And I think as there's been more and more focus on the private markets, as it's grown to be a larger and larger piece of allocations on the investor side, specifically allocations of pools of capital that serve the public, whether it's firemen, policemen, teachers, public sector workers, and the like, as there's been more and more focus on the private market asset class, there's been a greater and greater need for communication and transparency. And I think the people that do that well in the GP universe and almost go so far as to over communicate with LPs will not only benefit themselves, but they'll also benefit the rest of the marketplace and create a little bit of a rising tide lifts all boats effect because um, it's becoming very, very clear that LPs want more communication today than they ever have before and they deserve it. And you know, GPs that just view the world as investment returns only, I think are shortchanging their ability to create more lasting, longer term, you know, LP relationships. Uh, we certainly focus on that quite a bit here across the firm. And I think, you know, I've seen you guys do a lot of the same and, and doing it here right now, just by having this podcast is just one of many examples. But I would say, if you're, if you think you're communicating enough, you're probably not. So you can probably always do a little bit more. And, uh, you know, there's an old adage of, good news travels fast, bad news travels faster. Uh, I think kind of being the type of organization that feels like when there's something your LPs need to know, 
you're reaching out to them. They're not reaching out to you. I think has always been a, a good kind of mantra to, to live by. Great. So one to close out soon, but I guess before we do that, one to ask you one final question. We've been building for a few years now together as partners, but I wanted to get your take, Joss, on just what you're hopeful for for the future as we try to march forward and continue to build our platform. Good question. Um, no, I think from our perspective, and, and at least mine personally, and I think the firm's is, we just want you guys to be as successful as possible. And I think that mission statement you laid out when we first met each other of you know a thousand entrepreneurs over ten years is a really impactful one. And I think from our vantage point. The world is clearly at a place right now where it would benefit greatly from that. And if you guys can be the leaders to making that happen and we can do whatever we can to support you along the way, um, that's enough for us. Uh, we, would, we would be really happy if that comes out to be the case. And obviously to do it, you know, while generating really successful investment returns along the way, because I think that's going to be a requirement, you know, of, of getting to that point over a 10 year period. And so um, I think if you guys keep focusing on the mission you have at hand and achieving it by generating positive investment results and continuing to find more and more people on both sides that want to support you, whether it's LPs looking to invest with you or entrepreneurs, you know, seeking you as a partner early in their adventure. Um, yeah, I think that'd be the, the, the thing we would define as success here. And, and we look forward to continuing to uh, be a very small part of it, but it's really you guys leading the way here. And uh, we're, uh, we're proud of what you've done so far and hope to see more of it. What a great way to close. Yeah, we know returns are very important to our business success. And we also don't take it lightly, right? We know we've been given a great shot uh, of opportunities and we view it as our responsibility to open the door for others. So whether that's through our investment in diverse founders or our intern program or our broader market research and how we're supporting the ecosystem, we, we just see it as so important for us to continue to open doors for others the same way you have helped open doors for us, Josh. But thank you so much for your time. This is great and look forward to continuing to partner. Thank you guys. Really appreciate you including me today and uh, be well.